Well, good morning. So good to see you this morning. I want to welcome all of you here this morning and those also watching at home. And my name is Barry Steiner. I'm the student and family pastor here at BCC and uh, also interim senior pastor for the time being. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope you do, I I ask that you would just grab those, have those ready to go as we're going to dig into the Lord's Word together this morning. Now, before we get started, um, I just want to take this moment uh, to just apologize. To apologize for the video clip that I chose to uh, show last week. And, and listen, while I had the best of intentions for the reason I chose that video, there's always two things that I try to look at when I show a video clip. And the first one is this. I want it to help drive home the point of what I'm trying to make. And, and secondly, I never want the video clip to be a distraction or a deterrent from anybody, for anybody to hear the message that Jesus is trying to put into your hearts. And I'm really after some valuable conversations I've had with some of you, with, with our elders and, and other members of our church staff. I do realize that that video clip missed the mark um, of what I was trying trying to do. So thank you so much for your grace, for your forgiveness. And I do think I'm going to learn a valuable lesson here. And I think it's going to make me, I hope, a better preacher moving forward. Now, as we enter into this Christmas season, I want to, uh, I guess, take a quick poll if you'll allow me to. So by a show of hands, how many of you enjoy Christmas movies? All right. Okay. Now, how many of you enjoy Hallmark Christmas movies? Okay, now what about like the claymation ones? You know the ones I'm talking about, Rudolph and Santa Claus is coming to town, any of those? How about the classics? What about things like It's a Wonderful Life? All right, White Christmas, Christmas in Connecticut. Anyone? Oh, the hands went down. You got to check that one out if you've never seen it. Uh, What about Miracle on 34th Street? All right, what about A Christmas Carol? A Christmas Story? Christmas Vacation? All right, Elf, Die Hard. All right, there's always that, uh, that, that debate, is that a Christmas movie or not? Well, listen, I personally don't mind Christmas movies. In fact, I, I do like quite a few of them, but I do have a rule. My rule is that I will only watch Christmas movies from Thanksgiving Day to Christmas Day. That's just kind of me. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not one to watch them in the summertime, so the fact that the Hallmark you know, channel has been showing Christmas movies from summer has done nothing for me, all right? And I don't know if it has for you or not. There's one movie, though, that I absolutely cannot stand. One Christmas movie I do not like at all. It's Christmas with the Cranks. All right, anybody ever seen that one? All right, if you love it, I hope you continue to love it. I don't, and I think the biggest reason why I do not like that movie is it's based on a book. Uh, the book is called Skipping Christmas, and it's, it's from my all-time favorite author, John Grisham. But I think he should stick to law type of books and, and not dabble in anything else. So this one was a total miss for me. Did not like it whatsoever. And I think the thing that I hated the most about it is just the fact that it was just over-the-top annoying. Okay, just over the top annoying. But I want to use this film just for a second to kind of, I guess, lead into where we're going to head over the next couple weeks. If you're not familiar 
with either the book or the movie, essentially what you have, you have Luther and Nora Crank. And, and really what they do is uh, they, they're trying to avoid the frenzy, the craziness that a lot of times Christmas brings with it. Now they're empty nesters and, and Nora's kind of having a struggle with this. She's missing her daughter. The fact her daughter won't be back for Christmas is weighing heavily on her. So Luther decides he wants to try to cheer her up. And what he starts to do is he starts to look at basically how much he spent last Christmas. Uh, what kind of investment did he make on things like the party and the decorations and just everything that was associated with Christmas? And, and he had spent $6,100 on Christmas the previous year. And so instead of doing that, what he decides to do is take his wife, Nora, on a wonderful 10-day Caribbean cruise. Now, as the movie starts to unfold and play out, what we start to see is that through this whole time, Luther kind of takes on this whole Ebenezer Scrooge type of an attitude. He kind of says, bah humbug to everything. And, and this idea that he could somehow skip Christmas. Well, thankfully, just like what happened to Ebenezer Scrooge, the same thing happens to Luther. He does not skip Christmas. In fact, the movie kind of leads to the point where he is brought back into the real meaning of Christmas and um, he's able to celebrate it with family. Now, I know this idea of skipping Christmas may seem odd, but it really is an idea that's been around for probably 2,000 years since the very birth of Christ, this idea of missing Christmas. And that's what we want to talk about over the next three weeks. We want to talk about this idea of what it is to miss Christmas. So in this series, what we want to do is we want to examine the lives of three different people in Scripture that almost missed out on Christmas. And so as we learn from these stories, I think there are a lot of things that can keep us at times from being transformed by the birth of Jesus. And I think we're going to see those three things um, over the three weeks can be things like disappointment, distraction, and selfishness. So as we look at the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, this series is going to warn us that we could actually miss Christmas if, and the real meaning of Christmas if we're not careful. This time of year is special to so many of us. A lot of us, we like the things of Christmas. We like to decorate the tree, and we like to spend time with family. We like to go out and sing Christmas carols. A lot of times, we'll throw our family in the car, and we'll drive around, and we'll look at all the Christmas lights that are twinkling on the houses. And, and, and inevitably, as we drive around town, somehow, some way, at some homes or at some churches, we run into a nativity scene. Some of us will actually have a nativity set set up at our house. I know that we do. And that, that nativity scene, um, sometimes it's displayed in churches throughout the community. I know even here at BCC at times when we're allowed to and we're able to, we have Christmas uh, youth dramas and we have children's Christmas plays. And one of the central parts of almost every one of those plays or every one of those dramas is this nativity scene. And as we look at it, we see that there's a lot of colorful type of characters, different characters that are represented in this nativity scene. With dramatic words, the angels, they take center stage and they announce the birth of our Savior. They appear to Joseph and they tell him that he is to give 
the name of this child, the name of Jesus. The angel Gabriel, obviously, he makes the unforgettable announcement to Mary. And there's an angelic choir that appears to the shepherds, and they're singing, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Mary herself, she offers this beautiful hymn of thanksgiving to God, singing this, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. The wise men, the wise men are desperately searching to find this newborn king. And they are prepared to present him with gifts of honor to him. And when they do, they say this. It says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. The shepherds themselves, they rush to find baby Jesus after the announcement of this angelic choir. Upon finding Jesus, Luke tells us this um, in Luke uh, 2, 17 and 18. It says, when they um, had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Oddly enough, though, Joseph, the heavenly father of Jesus, is the only one who has no lines. He has no speaking part in this play. He is the lone, silent member of the cast, and he is often forgot about. In fact, even in our nativity scenes, when we pull it out, we can't decipher which is the shepherds and which is Joseph, because they both are carrying the shepherd's crook. You know, there's no notable lines that are attributed to him. There's no sound bites, no quotes. There's only silence. The angels, they bring heavenly greetings. Mary, she sings her solo with praise. The wise men worship and the shepherds preach. But Joseph is silent. He may be silent in this story, but what I want you to know this morning is that Joseph is irreplaceable in the story of Jesus' birth. His importance cannot be overstated. However, Joseph almost missed Christmas. He almost missed it all together. He almost missed out on being a part of the plan that God had for him. So I want to invite you this morning to to have those Bibles and to open them up to Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 18 through 25 this morning. And I want us to pay special attention to Joseph to the part that he played and how God used him to bring about the greatest gift of all time. So we're going to start with verse 18, and this is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You know, what we see here when we're introduced to Joseph is that he is probably honestly, in one of the most crazy personal crisis that he's ever experienced. I mean, what would it have been like for him in this moment? Just imagine what it would have been like to be here and to hear the fact that Mary comes to him and shares with him that she is pregnant. He'd become engaged to this beautiful girl, 
Chances are he has probably been working like crazy to set aside money to not only support her, but to begin their life together, maybe in a new home or a new place. He's in love. He's committed to Mary. And up to this point, he thought that she was committed to him. She thought that she loved him, and all of a sudden, this precious bride-to-be comes to him and says, I'm pregnant. Imagine what it must have been like. Surely in this moment, the disappointment that must have just come over him, it must have been crushing. This disappointment that, that he must have felt in this moment, can you imagine what it would have been like for him to hear those words and then to hear the excuse that she gives? That she was pregnant through the Spirit of God. Are you kidding me? Gentlemen, could you imagine just for a moment what it would have been like for you to have been engaged to your wife or whatever, your, your, your bride, and you hear that she's pregnant. And then she tells you, listen, it wasn't me. I didn't do anything here. It was the Holy Spirit. It was him. He did this. I mean, this is something that you hear on the Jerry Springer show. Where would your mind go? How would you feel? And I imagine in this moment, Joseph must have been heartbroken. He must have been absolutely felt like he was betrayed. All the plans that he had for his marriage to Mary must have been beginning to unravel and then there would be the disapproval from the community. Could you imagine the things that would be said around town? The things that would result from such a news? I mean, this would be scandalous. Can you imagine the level of disappointment that Joseph must have felt? And how should Joseph grieve over this? What should he do? How should he respond to this disappointment that life had just dealt him? Unfortunately, I think many of us can really relate to this story, to the pain and to the disappointment that Joseph must have been feeling, because we've all been there. There have been times in our life when things have just not gone our way. We've all had our disappointments in our education, in our careers, in our relationships, in our marriages, and even in our spiritual lives. Oftentimes, it may just feel like the constant little irritations of life. You know, the little things, but they just tend to keep building up over time. They leave us feeling burdened, and they leave us feeling hurt. Other times, the pain cuts really, really deep. There's huge loss sometimes in our life that leaves us feeling completely destroyed and devastated. It crushes us. There's tremendous feelings of disappointment or betrayals. These things can absolutely turn our lives upside down. It's hard to know how to trust again when people betray us. Maybe there's times where we felt blindsided or we felt taken advantage of. Maybe we felt wounded by someone's cruel words or their cruel actions in our lives. We've all been hurt in one way or another by people, by the circumstances of our life, 
by the poor choices that we've made in our lives that have resulted in sin. For some of us, this can even make it really difficult around this time of year. Sometimes Christmas brings some of the hardest disappointment in our life. Because I think the holidays, I think they provide a fresh opportunity to grieve over our disappointments. Some will even use the holidays as an opportunity in response to their pain or their past disappointments. You know, this time of year, a lot of people, they, began, they begin to experience loneliness. Maybe because loved ones have moved away. Maybe because loved ones have passed away. It's tough. The pain and the disappointment that each and every one of us feel during this time, it's real. And this Christmas may be even more difficult than others. With COVID, obviously, it's, it's changing maybe the way some of you celebrate with your families. Something I know a lot of people are struggling with both in and out of the nursing homes is just the fact that you can't get in or get out to visit with loved ones. You're stuck. And the disappointment of this time may be hard. And it's hard not to allow the disappointments of our life to affect who we are, to affect our joy and to affect just the time, what this time of year really represents. You know, it's so easy to just let it, I'm sorry, it's not always easy to just let it go and to forget about it and to move on from these situations. And I think what happens is the disappointment in our life, it starts to build up and it starts to sink in and it starts to set into our hearts. And when that happens, when the disappointment of life starts to do that, I think we start to see several things in our life start to come out. Maybe it's guilt, maybe it's shame, Maybe it's self-condemnation. Maybe it's humiliation or stress. Perhaps it's depression and maybe it's anxiety. And I think there's a huge danger if we allow these things, if we allow disappointment to creep into our lives this time of year because we can miss out on what Christmas is truly about. And that's the birth of our Savior. In the birth of our Savior, it does. It brings us joy and it brings us hope. And these are the things that can help us in the midst of our disappointment. So this morning, I want each and every one of us to know that we can move past the disappointments of our life by following these three key lessons that we learn from the life of Joseph in this passage. You know, it's still astounding to me that in all of Scripture, that in this passage that we're reading from today, that in all the Gospels, we never hear anything spoken by Joseph. You know, I think it, it goes to show that, you know, sometimes as people say, actions can speak much louder than words. And I think in this story, in this passage that we're going to read from today and continue to read from, is we see that the life of Joseph, that his actions are huge, and I think they can go a long way to help us in our lives as we face disappointment. So I think he teaches us three lessons, and the first lesson is this. I think he teaches us a lesson in righteousness. Again, Joseph is more than likely hurting by the news of, of Mary's pregnancy. What should his response be to this situation? You know, should he publicly shame Mary? 
Should he turn over, her over to the authorities to be stoned for her adultery? You know, her explanation of the pregnancy, it's absolutely unbelievable. And in fact, in that day, it, it would have been seen as extremely blasphemous. So if Mary would not have been stoned on the charge of adultery, surely she could have been stoned on the accusation of blasphemy. However, Joseph doesn't choose that path. Joseph doesn't call for her to be stoned for either one of these things. No, what Joseph does is he shows mercy. And he shows righteousness in this area. As we continue along, Matthew 119, it says, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. So here we read that Joseph is a righteous man who does not want to disgrace Mary in any way. Before Joseph even receives any kind of divine explanation as to why Mary is pregnant, he chooses mercy. There's no malice here. There's no explosion as to what has happened. Certainly, he could have asked a lot of questions here. Questions like, Mary, how could you do this to me? Mary, who is the father? But we don't see that. What we see is silence. There's no words recorded. All we see is righteousness. You know, he may have been the talk of Nazareth at the time. Friends may have made snide comments or remarks every time he showed up, but he would not hurt Mary. No matter the fact, you know, regardless of the fact that, that he felt hurt himself, he was not going to seek revenge. He was not going to drag her under the bus. He was going to love her and he was going to show her mercy even though these things had happened. Again, no matter what she'd done, he could have demanded a, a legal sentence be thrown down on her. But he chooses to go the opposite route. And my question this morning is, how many of you can do the same thing? When you've been hurt, when you've been drugged through the mud, when people have destroyed and devastated your heart, how do you respond? Is it like Joseph? Is it with righteousness? Is it with mercy? Is it with love? Is it with forgiveness? Or when you struggle with these things, when you've been offended or hurt by somebody, do you seek out revenge? What is your response when life gets hard? When you've been wronged, what direction do you head? Does your disappointment in life call for revenge? And I think this leads us to our second lesson, and it's a lesson in redemption. As we continue along in verses 20 and 21, it says, But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So in this dream right here, God gives Joseph a glimpse of his divine plan. I mean, could you imagine what that must have been like? 
Everything Mary had said is exactly what the angel comes and tells Joseph. And he is let into this little secret of what God's plan is going to be. And it wasn't so much a secret because prophets had been calling for it for a lot of years. But Joseph now is the one that's going to be able to be there and be a part of this. And how incredible and amazing must that have been. Because Joseph was this descendant of David. Because Joseph was a righteous man, God chooses to use him to be a part of bringing our Savior into the world. And this is what God tells him. He tells Joseph that Mary's son would save his people from their sins. In fact, the very name of Jesus, it's a translation of the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means the Lord is salvation or it means the Savior. From his very name, we learn all about Jesus' mission to come to earth, and it's to save us. It's to save his people from their sins. Make it personal. It's to save you. It's to save each and every one of us. You know, from his name, we, we get this. We understand that it means to save his people. So Jesus comes to earth to redeem mankind, to save us from the penalty of our sins. But in order for this to happen, in order for something to be redeemed, a price must be paid. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. He paid the price for our sins with the blood of his son, Jesus. And because we are forgiven, because we have had mercy extended upon us, because the fact he has brought us back and he has redeemed us with such an awesome gift, because of this very gift, because we've been forgiven, scripture from the mouth of Jesus, he tells us that we now must forgive others. We have to be able to forgive those who have hurt us Because learning to forgive, it helps us, it helps us to hurt less, to experience less anger, to fear less stress, and to suffer less depression. Ultimately, forgiveness of others can help us move past the disappointments of our life. Because Jesus teaches us that forgiveness, it equals freedom, freedom for us. Forgiveness towards those who have wronged us or even towards ourselves for our past mistakes. Ultimately, it will help us move past the disappointments. It gives us freedom. Sometimes that disappointment towards ourselves, it's like one of the hardest things that there is to, to, to put up with. Sometimes we can forgive others, but we can't get past our own hurt and our own shame. And even when we've asked God to forgive us and we realize that he's forgiven us, we still have a very difficult time letting go of that and receiving freedom. You know, we can get over the hurdles and the obstacles of the tough times. I think some of us can. But betrayal, broken relationships, deep hurt, They can leave wounds in us that that last way, way too long. Sometimes it's even hard to find peace again. Sometimes in our life, we quickly want to forget it. We want to move past it. We just want to try to put it in the past. Other times, maybe it just doesn't feel right. 
Maybe the people who've hurt us have just done way too many things and we feel like we have the right to just stay angry or even possibly seek out revenge. But forgiveness, no matter how we feel, it's always the right choice. And it's the only way that we can move past the hurt or the painful circumstances towards the freedom that God desires in our life. It may not happen all at once. In fact, there may be times where, I don't know, it just feels like buttons are pushed and the pain of the past just comes creeping back to the surface. But even in those moments, God calls us to forgive. Listen, don't give up. When you're struggling with forgiveness, when you're struggling in your pain, when you're wanting to seek revenge, just don't give up. I truly believe that Jesus understands what you're going through. Because Jesus himself was betrayed by some of his closest friends. He was let down by people that he loved, the same as we have. Listen, Jesus is the one who holds the power to help us through these moments, to redeem us even in the most difficult of circumstances. And he can heal the brokenness of our devastated life. It's through Jesus It's about redemption. It's about the redemption he gives us. And through that redemption, that should lead us to have a heart of forgiveness towards others. Now, as we kind of come back to Joseph, he's heard that he is to raise this child, to raise this son of God. And could you imagine the anticipation that he's feeling, uh, knowing that he's going to be responsible for this very thing? God is asking Joseph to raise the Savior as his very own son. I'm not sure a lot of us would accept that responsibility. Could you just imagine what that would have been like for just a moment? I think it would have been tough. I think it would have been really hard for a lot of us to accept the responsibility to raise the Son of God as our own child. But I think there's a third lesson we learn here from Joseph, and it's this. We learn a lesson in ready obedience. A pastor by the name of Clyde Billingsley, he, he once asked his congregation two very probing questions. He asked them, he says, how much discouragement can you take for God? And the second question he asked is, what would it take for you to quit your service to the Lord? This morning, because of some of your disappointments in life, you might be at the point where you're ready to give up. But I want to encourage you this morning, with all God has done for you in your life, don't bail on him. Don't bail on his church. You know, keep serving him faithfully no matter what is happening in your life. No matter the disappointments you may be feeling. We're facing during this time. Sorry. This is exactly what Joseph does in this passage. You see him keep moving forward despite everything that's happening. You see him not giving up on God, even though his life has been flipped and turned upside down. What you see him doing here is being obedient. And I think what we have to look at is why has this happened to Joseph? And as we continue our story, we see why. 
And and in verse 22, it says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet, the virgin will conceive and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You know, sometimes in life, following what God has called us to do, it can be tough on our, our own personal life. In here, Joseph was the one that this happened to. He was of the line of David, he was a righteous man, and he was engaged to be married. But Jesus had to come through somebody, and Jesus came through a virgin, which Mary was. And while this complicated Joseph's life for a while, we see that he's obedient because as we continue to read, we see what his response is, and it says this. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You know, with Joseph, there's no hesitation. Joseph clearly understands in this moment, through this dream, what God expects of him. And he's willing to listen. He would take Mary to be his wife and he he might suffer those remarks that would happen if a child was conceived prior to the wedding. He would obey in spite of the fact that this child of divine promise would more than likely be born under the cloud of adultery. He called his adopted son Jesus, which is exactly what he was told to do. And I think the reason why, because Joseph believed in in God. And because of his faith and because of his obedience, he did exactly what God called him to do, even in the midst of the pain that he was going through. Later on, we read that Joseph, he, he takes Mary and he takes Jesus to Egypt. He packs up and he leaves everything. Maybe he leaves his well-established carpenter practice. He leaves family and friends. He leaves everything behind and he listens to the call of God and he's obedient to what God asks him to do. If we love God and we trust his plans for our lives, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of hurt, then what we're doing is we're living by faith. When we're living by faith, we're living with the belief that God's ways are much, much bigger than our ways. When we trust, it says that, you know what, even though we understand that what the enemy may have for us may lead to pain, and it may lead to heartache, and it may lead to disappointment, we know that through it all that God's going to carry us and God will use it for good. God changes us. He changes us through our obedience in him. When we decide to obey him, no matter what we're feeling, no matter how empty we may be feeling inside, and no matter what, whether it makes sense or not to us, God is honored in those circumstances and those situations in our life. Could you imagine just for a moment if Joseph hadn't been obedient? What if Joseph, because of this, had, did not even listen to God and said, no, I am hurt. I do not believe this. I want a divorce. Well, Joseph would have missed out. 
He would have missed out on the story of Christmas. He would have missed out on the birth of Christ. And throughout this season and throughout the rest of your life, what I want you to do is I want you to think back to the obedience of this simple carpenter and I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged that even in the midst of your hardest pain and the biggest disappointments of your life, when you think life is not fair, when you think God doesn't care, when you think God is not there for you, I want you to remember this story because God is always there. God will always lead you through the hurt and through the pain in your life. He will get you past the disappointment. You may feel like there's no way that can happen right now, but do not give up. Do not lose heart. Do not lose faith. Do not quit being obedient because Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, was born to give you hope and to give you peace and to give you joy through your life. The way he took your disappointment, the way he's taken your forgiveness, or, or he's taken your sin, he has forgiven you. And that should lead to each and every one of us living a life of obedience. So this morning as I close, do you understand what Jesus did here in this story? Are you a righteous person? Do you give mercy when you've been hurt? Do you give forgiveness when you've been hurt? Or do you seek revenge? because you've been hurt? Do you understand the significance of this baby that God entrusted to both Joseph and Mary? This baby that would save the people from their sins? Do you comprehend the sacrifice that he made for us? And have you accepted this child that we're talking about? Have you accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you received forgiveness of your sins? And because you've received forgiveness of your sins, are you extending forgiveness and grace and mercy to those who have hurt you? Are you living a life of ready obedience? Do you know what God's word says and do you know God's will for your life? And are you willing to follow his commands no matter what the cost may be to you? Because if you're a righteous person, if you understand the significance of the redemption found through Jesus and you're being, and you're, I'm sorry, you're living a life of obedience, I want you to know that you're well on your way to getting rid of the disappointment in your life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Joseph, Father, who spoke no words, but God who led through action. I thank you, Father, just for his righteousness. I thank you for the redemption that you give us through your son, Jesus. I thank you for his ready obedience and the example that that sets before us. Because, God, when we are righteous, when we know we're forgiven and we forgive, and, Lord, when we are ready to obey no matter what we're going through, God, Lord, that will lead us through the disappointments we're facing in our life. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the time of year it is. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.